What's going on, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast here on this Labor Day. Hope everybody had a long or has had a long, nice weekend outside of what you watched on Saturday night. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, we ended up finding out we'll, we'll obviously get into this game, this crazy game from beginning to end, honestly. Um, we found out we were five-point favorites which we talked about how maybe we'd be three-point underdogs or such. So if anybody were to actually bet, which it's hard to bet on Illinois teams as it is, as we know, just in general, you're picking us to win five-point favorites. We did not hold our end of the bargain. What's going on? Yeah, it was, uh, it's was. it been a very long weekend for me. Uh, obviously, the football game I went to, everybody knows, didn't end up well. Then uh, laying in my hotel room watching SIU's game did not end up any better. So. Uh, been a long weekend for me, as but not a good long weekend. You usually enjoy these weekends, but um, it's been tough to watch some football this weekend. I mean, this is a game, a 64 to 29 defeat by Incarnate Word. We knew, you know, they being no matter what, no matter how we thought about us and, you know, who was playing, who wasn't playing, and we'll get to straight away of a big old surprise in this game, which was Avante Cox, who we found out just hours before the game, if that, and Mike tweeted that he was full go. And, no, that shocked us to oblivion because we know, obviously, if you had hand surgery, he had it a month ago maybe, if that, and all of a sudden he's playing when we knew he was going to just try for SEMO and then Northwestern, of course. No, this was – and we remember tweeting that, you know, Avante's ride or die. This is his last season. If he thinks he's ready – then he's going to do it, and we thought that was going to change everything. No, that caught us big time by surprise. Yeah, it, and it's – I mean, the announcers even started out talking before we took our first naps that Avante Cox was out, and everybody thought he was out. I guess they didn't even see the news before the game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was – we talked about he's looking for maybe the Northwestern game be his first game back, but uh, like Mike said, uh, recovery was a lot quicker than expected, and. He's a gamer, so he's going to go out there and play if he's able to. Yeah, he tweeted – let's see what time it was. It was at 5 o'clock, so about literally an hour before the game was expected to play, which we'll get into that as well. Uh, recovered from surgery on broken hand in first practice, about halftime expected. So that was a shock, and we, we thought that things were definitely going to change because we knew we were, you know – with some inexperience per se at receiver in this game, we thought we were, we would struggle in that regard, but Avante ended up being obviously our top receiver in this game. So we'll get into the game, but no, let's kick off with uh, the beginning of it. We know, and I actually ended up, I went with family to Cardinal game that night. I knew I was going to end up streaming and keeping up with it. And you had your game as well. That was getting over when this game was expected. You said you're in hotels and stuff and you're able to keep up with it more than I, uh, so the beginning, it was – but I was actually glad it kept moving back because we know it was raining there, but it was also lightning. And that took about, like I said, 6 o'clock game. It got pushed back to, what, 640, and then it gets pushed back to 725, right? So, I mean – and we saw videos and pictures of the team, like, underneath, you know, the concourse, whatever, like, I guess staying warm and such. So we're thinking, you know, of course, you know, we're ready to go. We're thinking whatever, and then – of course, the first thing that happens whenever you think, whenever a team's off to a terrible start in a game, that's the first thing you want to look at is like, you know, uh, stalling and, you know, having something like that pushed back. But then you think about the other team has the same exact situation to them. It's just the fact that they're at home, perhaps. So 
so that was weird overall, but other, and we'll get to another delay about halfway through the game, but no, let's, let's just, we're not going to go through the whole thing. Obviously it was not a pretty game and definitely was not a pretty start in this game. We'll get into Lindsey Scott. I mean, he was, and he was, and Nick preached it all week and he said it after the game as well about how good he is. He's arguably top two quarterback in the whole FCS. And he came in and just destroyed us in every facet, as we said, we'll have some takeaways from this game, some quotes that Nick had after the game. And he had a Monday presser today, not a whole lot to take from it outside of just talking about how bad we played. So no, let's jump into this bad game. Uh, we had the coin toss and we deferred. So we're thinking, okay, let's get this defense that's been talked about, you know, heavy and off and to start this season. First, first possession, no, a dive us into how this went it did not go well. Yeah, obviously it did not go well. I mean, it started out with Lindsey Scott completing a couple passes, short passes for a first down. Then, um, then he just finds Taylor Grimes for 66 yards to kick off the game. A, another one of the many blown coverages in this game by this secondary, which we thought it was going to be the strength of this defense, and turns out, um, just a little bit unprepared and speaking of the secondary right away first drive should mention it now that it was DJ Johnson and uh, David Miller starting in the cornerback position no PJ Jules so it was surprising to see that but uh, uh, yeah Taylor Grimes we talked about him he was one of, I believe it was one of the keys to limit the big plays and Taylor Grimes with one of his many big plays kicked it off right there for 66 yards down 7 nothing right away yeah, the All-American. And, yeah, I mean, even the main account when they post, you know, who's starting, they had P.J. starting on defense. And we know they don't really update this, to be honest. Like, we know last year, they am pretty sure they had Calvin Francis at center, like, the rest of the year when he was out for the year or something like that. They didn't hardly ever change the stuff. But uh, but they had P.J. in there, so we're thinking, okay. And then, yeah, that for, in that in that play right there, it was David – which if you watch the play, he he actually stuck with him. We know David's quick, and he stuck with him most of the way. And then I don't think he was looking whenever the ball came right by. He easily could have batted it away with his right hand, and he actually ended up on the ground because of it. But I don't think he was looking. I think he turned his head, and then it fell right into the breadbasket of him. So, like I said, yeah, that 66 yards to kick off the game burned, straight up burned. But when we haven't heard anything as to why P.J. didn't play, I haven't heard anything on that yet. Well, I've never seen him uh, on the sideline, though. He was dressed. Yeah, he, he was looked like he was frustrated. Yeah, he looked like he was frustrated. Ended up playing and ended up coming back and ended up playing a little bit and gets burned on one um, later in the game. But um, yesterday at twelve thirty one p.m., PJ he's he's pretty active on Twitter. Randomly tweets uh, the heart the broken heart emoji, and that's all he tweeted. Uh, don't know what's going on there. So I'd say there's something to do with that. Something will happen in the game. Maybe just heartbroken how the game ended up, but um, could be something more to that. Yeah, I know. They they had a video. I think it was him that was underneath. I said underneath the concourse waiting around. I think that was him. I don't know what could have happened with that. So like I said, those are the kind of things that we'll honestly never know, unfortunately. No one's going to ask about it. Say, hey, how about your All-American playing the game? It could have been a difference yeah, if he got in at the end of the game, then it was too late at that point, per se. So, Noah, that happened, obviously, horrible start. And we get on offense, and we have, you know, we have a we have a three and out the first at the first one. We'll get to what happened, a disaster after that. But it seemed like drives throughout this game, 
for the most part, until the second quarter, definitely in the first, we would take 10 minutes off the clock, have these long possessions, and maybe get three points, maybe not. But, no, this next one, after a three and out, special teams. We talked about how important it's going to be all year. Dalman's doing an incredible job until it comes in a game. And, of course, no Ross Pedro. We know long snapper way over uh, Nathan Torney's head twice. And this one came for a safety, 20 yards. It's just – I mean, it's those things right away. You know it's not going to be your game. And obviously after that, they kept scoring and ended up being the score, we'll say, here in a second before we even scored. And, no, I mean, those are just the absolute, like, the worst possible things that can happen, not only after you let a score in a three and out, but, no, that's just stuff that cannot happen to a team that is expected to be good in any facet. Like, I understand if it's the first game, but, no, this happened twice. And this one, of course, getting for points, and then they get the ball right back and scored again. So – just total unacceptable to start this one. Yeah, just really un- uncharacteristic of what Ross Pedro did last year. He's pretty solid, and now um, with a new punter, just airmailed it. Yeah, you can blame it. You can say weather conditions. It was coming down a little bit of rain at that time, but um, really costing us points just can't happen at that time. Um, defense did a decent job of coming back and getting a stop for one of the very few times we stopped incarnate word all game long. Um, but offense just could not capitalize off of it. Then it happened again. And it's just not a good start overall for any of the team, but especially special teams. Yeah. And the whole team after the fact said that they were going to have no excuses in this one with the weather and with uh, when it got the 22, nothing, it would, you know, the lights went out. So it was a 15 minute delay with that. And that's actually jump started us as the team. We'll get to it. But yeah, the ball was probably wet. We know, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, Javon was dropping easy passes out of the back or easy passes out of the backfield. Jacob Koffel, who we'll get to and know, we also had some offensive line injuries in this game as well. But he had one that Nick was looking away to trying to take a snap under center and he, and he botched it and fumbled it. And we were able to get back on it. But it's, it's stuff like that that I guess, yeah, Ross is, you know, with the ball being on the ground, wet, going over his head, and then Koffel or Nick botching if it was wet at that point when that happened. So I guess those things can happen. But like I said, the team's not going to have any excuses for that. So that happens. So they get the safety, 9 nothing, then Taylor Grimes burns us again. And this was a play, Noah, where he just got behind everybody. I don't recall who was on him on that set. I'm assuming it was still David. But next thing we know, Antonio Fletcher is getting beat over the top and ends up having to chase him down and just watches him go in. I think he chased him down at the end, but that was all for not Taylor Grimes. Noah just, he's on pace to, he was on pace in this game to break some records and we know how good he is, but no, that happened. And then the second, and then their second, unless you had something to capitalize off that, but we know whenever they made it 22 to nothing, that's whenever Lindsey Scott had a six yard run. He got helicoptered in the air for a score and that made it 22 to nothing. That's when the lights turned off. So no, what do you, what, what do you think happened on, or what's your opinion on some of these plays that had them score to get it to this point? Yeah, it's really a concern. I mean, there's no pass rush, no pass rush on on Lindsey Scott at all. I mean, we were just getting dominated up front, and it's yeah. I mean, Antonio Fletcher just got burned. It's like, I mean, it's obvious. It's obviously if you watch his style of play, um, he's not very good um, in pass coverage. Obviously, he got in, he ended up. I think Easton Wolf came in for him for a little bit. Um, but yeah, just not 
overall defensively in this first quarter is just not how you want to play. Obviously, they got put in some situations, but getting burned against especially the All-American, I mean, cannot happen the way you want to start. But, yeah, Lindsey Scott, I mean, the pressure we did get on him at times, he just stayed in the pocket made some unreal attempts. But, yeah, Antonio getting burned there to make it 22 nothing, and the lights go out, which – Gave us a little bo- little boost when the lights came back on, but uh, not much from there. No, and around that time, I, after the lights went off and they, they faked a, a PAT and they tried to go for two and we stopped them. So that's where it actually ended up doing okay for us. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's – you're right. It's the one guy you can't have beat you. I mean, they have two dynamic players and you let them just – go right past you in the secondary and then you let, and we talked about how we had some dogs of the game. I had one that was like, you know, he's going to run. We need a spy on him at times. And he's, he, he took off a lot. We had some nice tackles for a lot. There were some decent moments in this game on defense, but I'd say 5% of the 100 of how bad it was. You're right. There were really no pass rush in this one. And that was the issue for sure. Uh, weren't able to get to him at those, at those pivotal times. So once that happened, Noah, we, uh, Romeo Elliott, who we knew was at the top of the depth chart this year, he had a really good game. We'll get to his stats at the end, though, but he broke off for a 55-yarder, uh, which obviously got us on the board after that in our good second quarter here, where we outscored him by, I believe, nine points in this one. But as soon as that happened, they scored right away on a 79-yard touchdown, which made it 22 points. But, no, it's good to see Romeo. We talked about how good he is between the tackles. He was able to go – just threw everybody. I forgot, you know, what had happened to that point. Uh, but that, that's a great sign because we know, like we said, the health of Romero is pivotal this year, and he made things happen and did on this play. Yeah, absolutely. His his burst of speed at his size and uh, on the fourth of one, be able to fake the jet sweep to Avante, toss out to Romero, and he just really just – his burst of speed, I mean, the announcers were talking about it. Um, that's why he's up – that's why he's been on – and that's why he's on kickoff return, so – um, his change of speed can he can just run past anybody, and it really he was about the only one, um, out of the running backs that could get something going. I mean, did not get very much good push up front. Um, had some decent runs here and there, but Rowe was the only one, um, finally to break one off to hopefully still keep us in this ball game at the time. Yes, and I mentioned they scored to match us, and then we matched them again. Justin Strong got in the end zone. So, arguably our two top, you know, full running backs. We know Javon did a lot. He did, I think, everything in this game. We'll look at the final box score. Everything that we know he can do, he did in this one. But relying on those two running backs to get us – to get in the end zone, and they both did. So, then that happened. And so, yeah, at this point, after lights went off in the second quarter, we outscored them 16-7. to And Jake Bumgar hit a huge 47-yarder before the half. So we're down by 13. So after everything chaotic that had happened at this point, we were able to, you know, show some life in this one. So at halftime, Nick was 12 of 20, 103 yards, 57%. Romir with that uh, 55 and a touchdown. Yeah, Javon, five for 14, not good. And Justin was only four for eight, but did get in the end zone. They tried something with Avante and then Nick, uh, was positively rushing in the first half, surprisingly. And Avante, four for 47. Javon, yeah, three catches, 27. And then Tice, who we know Tice was getting involved early and often, but obviously halftime didn't do much, and we'll look at the end, but two for 23, and then Justin, three for six. Uh, 
And then Noah on defense, David Miller led us, or there were at least a four-way tie for tackles with three at this point. But other than that, Noah, not a whole lot to say here outside of those couple touchdowns that got us to this halftime mark. What stuck out to you that was maybe the only positive of the first half? Yeah, obviously um, it's a positive with – we knew we had big big shoes to fill with Jake Baumgart coming in there, um, knocking down some field goals. Um, but, yeah, other than that, there's not a lot of positives to take out of that first half other than Jake, probably Jake Baumgart and Rowe, the way he can be able to find some holes, create some holes, and using his change of speed to impact the game. And, yeah, we were lucky um, to be able to – only be down that at halftime. Um, I didn't like the two-point conversion call there at the end. Should have just took the points and worried about the two-point later. Um, but in the end, it really didn't matter. Very true. So halftime, we're thinking we can rejuvenate a little bit. We end up tweeting. Uh, just obviously, you need elite adjustments in this game. And honestly, no, we know we would come out in the second half with the ball, and that's what we did. And we mentioned how we had these long drives that would only end up coming anything. You know, we had a great first 10 minute off the clock, however many play drive. And I'm pretty sure, well, Nick said in the presser today that we had 31 first downs in this game, which he said uh, he thought it was the most of any he's had as head coach. But you no, know, I mean, this game had penalties on their end and we will say incarnate were whenever we were getting back in the game they were having a lot of immature penalties we talked about this that you know they would push a guy or they would have an excessive celebration after a play and stuff that allowed us to continue some of these drives and this one we got all the way to the goal line failed run attempts and then we get third and goal nick baker's picked off he has like he gets his body horizontal and tries to make a throw and gets picked off in the end zone or right like at the one two yard line and then it comes back review that he had his knee down so then we're thinking okay we got one more play here to score and we don't and then we have to settle for a field goal so it's exactly stuff like that you can't take off that much of the clock and expect you know you got to get six there obviously but you, you cut it to 10 got lucky there for sure that would have easily been the nail in the coffin so we're only down 10 and then they just you know Lindsey scott ends up having all of his uh you know, multiple having five or six touchdowns in this game, but and they just score back to back. No, I don't think there's a whole lot to go through here. We ended up getting all of our guys pretty much out of this game. Zach Zabrowski came in through a touchdown to Dayton Mitchell. Other than that, no, I mean, there's nothing at all to talk about at the end of the game here. We'll have some takeaways at the end. Anything that stuck out to you throughout the box score of the second half that was worth talking about at all? Yeah, I mean, in the second half, I mean, Zabrowski coming in. And what I saw from him, he looked pretty solid. Uh, I thought it'd be him or Hunter. I thought it might be Hunter Simmons coming to the game, but uh, Zabrowski will dive into the box score later. But looked pretty good. Dayton Mitchell had a couple couple catches and ended up with a touchdown. So pretty good by them. But yeah, other than that, I mean, long drives. I mean, Nick Baker talked about himself in his uh, interview last week with Mike that. They want to be more efficient in the red zone. And we got down there a couple times, ended up ending up uh, drive-altering penalties that caused us to move back and up either taking a field goal and uh, just settling for points when we really needed seven at that point in the game. But, yeah, like, there's not much to talk about in that second half. It just got even worse. You're right, though. I think – seeing Zabrowski play relatively well was a good sign. You're right. We were expecting maybe Hunter – First, we know Zach is second on the depth chart and 
Stone Norton was actually calling plays, doing Zach's job, what his job's been over the last couple of years. But, yeah, Zach had the touchdown. He ran well, two for 31. And then Bilet, Romier, 15 for 103, really good sign. A set, almost 6.9, almost seven yards per carry. Great game for him. Everyone else was around two yards per carry, like Javon and Justin were about that. Avante only had two catches in the second half. He did come out, I'm sure, at one point. We had a lot of – even though – a lot of these guys only had like one or two catches. Vontae, six for 57. Uh, Javon, four for 41. Not a bad receiving game for him. Other than that, no. I mean, Ty Stano didn't catch another ball the rest of the game. We did see Remington Lutz in the game at times. He got in sometimes in the red zone, but he was on special teams, and he didn't really get in other than that. Aiden Quinn got in a little bit. Uh, Jay Jones caught a ball, and so did Jacob Garrett, who had nice moments. That 11-yard catch, I remember, was for a first down. It was a pretty big play at a certain point in the game. but. And then I have – I don't have any – who let us – know if you have in front of you, who let us on defense throughout the game just stats-wise going through it? Yes, stats-wise. Um, ended up – Chris Harris Jr. ended up with – I mean, defensively, if you look at our stats, six tackles – six total tackles led the way for us. If you look at the other side, I mean, they had uh, – Anna Labeche had 13 by herself. Caleb Culp had 11. Brandon Richard had nine. They had three others with six. So, I mean, they were just tackling machines. But if you look at Chris Harris, like I said, led our way six. Easton Wolf had a good game, five tackles for him. Then Clayton and uh, David Miller, Branson Combs, George Douglas, and Cam Balgi all ended up with four. So, um, obviously not a lot of tackling on our end. Um, watch guys run run behind us and catch balls. But, um Solid debut for Chris Harris, but it doesn't matter because the result of the game. Exactly. When Antonio ended up coming out at one point. That's when Easton Wolf came in. Yeah, he tied him with tackles on the team. But it was, Chris Harris is probably the only new player that actually played pretty well. Yeah, I would say Clayton made some good tackles for loss. He actually had a sack in this one. Him and Mikel had a sack. It was good to see Mikel off the edge. Saw him a little bit. So we had a couple sacks in this game. Other than that, though, I mean, it's pretty widespread, but nobody really like like I feel like Bryce Nochi would have had at least ten tackles in this game. He would have done whatever it took to not allow some of the stuff that did happen. The uh, yeah, other than that, I say, other than that, I would say that we let's look at Lindsey Scott's game, shall we? He had seventeen of twenty-five, ten yards off of or nine yards off of four hundred throwing, and had six touchdowns. So, I mean. And he rushed for eight of 23. So, and then Grimes, three for 126, and Chafin for four for 106. Just overall, obviously, a very disappointing start for the defense. And then offense, we knew that was good, but we didn't expect to get blown out like this. It was really shocking. And, and But it is even shocking for us, again, that we were five-point favorites. I mean, I don't know if that would have – that was earlier in the day. I remember texting. It was before we knew Avante was playing. Like, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, if they take any of that kind of stuff into account at this level, which – you know, they would at the NFL level or something at the higher levels. But, I mean, no, obviously just overwhelming, terrible performance. Like I said, mainly by the defense. But let's talk about on the offensive side. Defense, we stayed relatively healthy. Uh, but offense, you know, we had some injuries. So let's go through ones at the top of your head that you know got hurt in this game. And it was mainly ones on the offensive line, right? Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, obviously there were some injuries. But they just really struggled as a whole. They were just – which it really concerns me. I mean, obviously, incarnate word, respect to them, but um, being overmatched at the line of scrimmage like that, I know we got some young offensive line, but 
I think uh, Chase Evans is the only only offensive lineman that did not come out of this game at one point. Um, it started with Jake Green. He went down. Uh, Ethan uh, – not Ethan Tyler, but uh, – Colin Smith. No, uh, gosh. Well, he came in for – Yeah, Colin came, came in, in at for, left at one point. Yeah, Colin came in for Jake at one point. Um, gosh dang it, why am I sl- – Sam Buck. Sam Buck. Ended up in concussion protocol. Uh, 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 Nick Hill said, then uh, Chase, then our uh, Poffel went down, so Chase Evans slid over to center. Um, then, I mean – Everybody, Bo Brain ended up cramping up. So everybody besides Chase came out of this game at one point. Jackson Saley's ended up at right guard. Uh, so obviously we talked about it, and I think Nick Baker and they all talked about it before the season. You have, eight, have to have eight or nine guys to be able to on the line to play at this level, and we had to use them Saturday night. And it was just, I mean, uh, I did notice that, Calvin Francis was dressed on the sidelines and not get in the game. So um, I don't know if he's still trying to come back or uh, so looks like maybe Chase Evans will be that center. I just, we just got totally overmatched from an offensive line perspective. It, it was, it was bad. The inside run, I said, hopefully the run game would get better, but uh, inside run game was nowhere. They're just overmatching us. So uh, young younger guys up there, but it just struggled. And now we have injuries on top of that. So overall, I mean, we got some work to do on that O-line. For sure. And we kind of had that feeling when we found out who was, you know, parts of these starters. And you're right. And we haven't been able to run up the middle, even though I guess you could say Zabion on his left side at times in his career, but we weren't able to. You're right. I feel like that's been the case, though, for a long time. But you're right. They did mention you got to have eight or nine guys, and that's exactly what it seemed like we needed at times in this game. I mean, it was even – it's even ones that – like I remember seeing Colin Smith when he did get in the game. He had his hand in the dirt. It's like, well, you're obviously running the ball, and they ran it to the right side or maybe up the middle, and it didn't work at all. It's like you're even giving it away at that point, which maybe that happens in general a lot. But it's like when you're not running it as well, now you're just like tipping your pitches, for lack of a better term in this sport, for, you know, what you're going to happen. So. You're right. I think we, you know, the, the team itself, and Nick talked about this and was asked about it in the Monday presser today, that they kind of go, and Mike asked me, to kind of come in cocky at all, like expecting to like play good and do everything. And Nick kind of said yes, but he knew there were so many new faces and they're trying to like, you know, they were they were confident and excited for the most part. And then obviously it just hit, punched him in the gut, like he said. And we kind of, we talked about how they have some good linebackers, a good safety in this game, but they had a really good pass rush and a really good front four on the, on the defensive line, but it didn't seem like that it would have mattered if they were as good as they were anyway, if our offensive line was playing like that. So that was definitely a takeaway in this, and we'll get some takeaways here before we uh, uh, get into some, maybe some quotes that Nick said directly after the game. But, no, I wanted to say, because you said who you saw on the sidelines. I did see Isaiah. Uh, he was on the sideline. He was he was there, which was good. And I also saw R.J. Arebo, Noah, and that you showed me, actually, what was it, at whatever point that – Looks like we're not going to see him for a long time. He made the trip, saw him on the sideline. Didn't you show me a tweet that said he'd be out for a long time? Yeah, I got a message uh, Saturday from somebody, and it looks like uh, and this was uh, in the middle before I guess one of the first in, in fall camp, but um, it's looking like 
we will not see the Texas A&M transfer for a while that he tore a muscle in his arm, which if you've seen photos that he is in a sling and it could be five to six months before you see him. So uh, torn muscle in his arm. So not a great, we expected to have him make an impact on that D line. Um, but um, not, not good. I mean, he was going to be an impact guy right away. And now that he's out for half the year, half a year, that's not good. No, and it's just shocking, you know, a guy we're excited for. We've talked about endlessly. He's excited to be here, and then all of a sudden he ends up getting hurt. I don't mean however far along into the process of being here or what he did beforehand because he's been in the sling for a while. We just don't know how long. But seeing him that – seeing him hurt that long is just ridiculous, knowing that we struggled to rush the passer yesterday at all. And maybe if we have, like, a more pro-style quarterback that we face, and it seems like you almost have to run it. Nick Baker even ran in this game at times. Wasn't really that consistent at it, which he hasn't been. But he ran out, he ran at certain times and got a lot of first downs. But when maybe when you play a guy that's not always going to like almost see run first, not saying Lindsey Scott's that player, but it's an elite runner. Maybe you can actually have a better chance at it. But did not go well. We could use a guy like that. Even Sade Hamden, who we still I didn't see him on the I didn't see him on the sidelines. I don't think in the game. There's a lot of people over there, and on TV it's hard to tell anyway. But those guys like that and we've been talking about him and it's unfortunate if neither of them can play a whole lot this year so that sucks for RJ hopefully we can get him back at the very end if everything goes more according to plan for how it went for Avante so no other other pause in this game I mean we noticed how Mikel I mentioned he had a sack in this game so he wasn't on the 2D but he makes an impression in these games which we knew he would just didn't know if he was hurt or not and he was in special teams a lot George Douglas who we know wasn't on the two or he was a secondary and behind Branson, obviously, in the depth chart for linebacker, he played a lot of this. We've mentioned Remington Lutz. Other than that, no special teams. Outside of, you know, Nathan Torney, who does have a boot. We talked about that. He had a he had one that put them within their own five, a really nice putt, punt. And then Jake made, or nailed a couple field goals and had a 47 as well. No outside of that. Special teams, like we said, not very good, even with the players we had on it. But, no, it's good to see that we're going to have some good legs this year. Jake's going to be nails, it seems like. Even, I mean, because that was bad weather yesterday. And if he gets in some of these, you know, indoor places that we play or just in general, that's good to see. And then Tony's got a boo. That's exactly what we kind of expect. Yeah, we definitely expected them to uh, step in right away. We know what Jake is capable of. Um, then Nathan being able to, obviously, uh, the two over his head's not on him. Um, so interesting to see, I mean, our kickoff specialist, he was putting them, um, touchbacks as well. So, uh, pretty good other than the long snapping issues on special teams. Jake Bumgart was money in his kicks and Nathan, um, has a pretty good boot on him. So, um, hopefully he can come in handy later this year when we need him to in spots, um, special other special teams wise. Javon was returning punts all night. So on the two right. deep, we talked about Clayton Bush. Um, was the start on the two deep and up Javon all night. Then I did notice that it was Romir and TJ Atkins on kickoff returns, uh, special teams wise. So, uh, yes, other than that, Ross Pedro will get it fixed. And uh, special team wise, I mean, I did know some kick coverage. Uh, on on the kickoffs, uh, some shaky there. They almost broke a cup, broke one maybe. So uh, fix a couple there. Other than that, Dalman 
uh, done some pretty good work. So fix the long snapping issues. Maybe it was just the weather and we'll be very solid. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, too. We did notice Javon was on punts, no Clayton at all. And it's good seeing TJ Atkins back there. But Javon didn't have any time to run. I mean, obviously, you know, their punter was okay, at, you know, and then it was pretty much just fair catch city. There may be some points where he went a little bit, but, you know, along the course of the game, getting him out of there and not even being involved in any of that stuff. But uh, that is what we noticed. And speaking of Javon, Noah, we – also notice, which we know is a big part of our offense, is a big part of using our best player, one of our best players, the way that we need to and have been over the years. You know, it's the Wildcat, and it's it did not work at all yesterday. They're probably and we know Javon's tough. He can power through a lot of you know runs, but a lot of and we read the stats of him. Mean, it just wasn't working for him at all in this game. And we know that certain it's really only should be used when you're in the red zone. I think like. Landon was such a big red zone receiver for Nick last year that unless you're not, if you're not using the tight ends and you're, you know, some of your receivers aren't getting open and you're having trouble scoring. So then your quarterback's getting sacked and you're getting out of field goal range and you're not even scoring. That's when you need to use Javon. I'm not saying we don't, but that's when you need to see, you know, plays like that using him at his best the most. Noah, uh, what what do you think on the wildcat and moving forward? Like we said, we're going to keep using it and finish off with your overall takeaways of this game. Yeah, I just think, I mean, it's all right to use the wildcat a, a couple times in the game, but, I mean, like I've said before and we've talked about it before, play calling, I, I question it a lot. I mean, the first drive of the game, you go back to that, it was two straight inside zones to Romier, then a incomplete pass, and right, right then and there you're punting just like that. I mean, I question a lot of just really – some of the personnel he uses, I mean, I like Jacob Garrett. I like his run blocking ability and sometimes be able to catch, but a lot of the a lot of the personnel he was in, he was out there wide and I just think you you have Ty Daniel in that kind of role. You you brought in Remington. I mean, he has a six six frame. I mean, they should be able to move the chains. Even Aiden Quinn, a more agile tight end for you that can use be used in the receiving game. So yeah, just a lot of personnel issues. I've talked about it. I mean, Nick Baker, his accuracy was not good at all. I mean, he's shown some really good accuracy um, over the last couple of years, but it was not good. I don't know. Some of the routes to Deontay. Um, I, don't yeah, know if it was, I was going to say those. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it was timing between those two, but he just had some balls. And I know he had one to Avante. He had Avante wide open in the middle, just like threw it into the ground. Avante could have probably broke it for a touchdown. Could have been um, – a game-changing play to get us back in it earlier in the first half than we did. And so, yeah, overall takeaways, I mean, I'm concerned. I mean, obviously it's first game, and Nick Hill said in his press conference that first game doesn't define our season. But, I mean, it almost does. I mean, if I, for me, it puts us on the bubble right away because if you win this week, then what I've seen from us getting overmatched on both sides of the ball against – a good team in the FCS, you have to go play a big 10 team on the road. I mean, you're going to go one and two in conference play. And I, I told you, we talked about it uh, after the game that that puts you in a crunch where at minimum to be a playoff team, you got to go six and two in your conference and you play in the SEC of the FCS. I'm, I'm concerned. And obviously uh, you can, we can talk about it about Nick, Nick's presser. Um, Obviously, he said in his presser that um, 
he was he wasn't that obviously they know what the hype was all about, but um they have a good team, but it says that he said it started with him, obviously starts with the coaching staff having to play in the player. And what they put out there on Saturday night was embarrassing, but obviously what Nick said, he said, I'm disappointed with how we came out here and performed. I think we have a better football team than that, but until we go out there and prove it, it's all talk. And I agree with that 100%. So that's what concerns me. Obviously, I think we have a better football team, but I mean, SEMO's no layover. It's a rivalry game. Things happen. Things go crazy. So um, hopefully we can com- come back this weekend at home and, and win and be able to keep the wheel here. So overall, I'm concerned. Uh, over, offense line play scares me. Um, can't have Nick Baker running for his life. And hopefully we can get healthy there and uh, change some things right away because we got to get back to work to practice this week. And I know Nick said in his press conference today, that they are back to practice today after some film in the morning. So um, hopefully we can fix things right right away. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a game that he, he even said today that's, you know, it's almost a game you are – like it's a game you need to then, you know, you know, kick yourself in the rear to get going for a season, even though it's not what you want to say after the first game. I think because we lost by so much. I mean, we allowed 64 points. That was second most in an opener in school history. And the other time was 1914 when we allowed 66. So we got close to that. So, I mean, it's it, – there are a lot of bad in this game. You're right. Nick was easy – or missing those easy throws. And on those Deontay routes, you're right. That, those were easy over the middle. Those are exactly what we expect from Isaiah whenever he does end up playing. I mean, those exact kind of thing Isaiah, you know, is great at. So – I, I want to, and they're going to say it's no excuse, but it just seems like a game that you get delayed and stuff that it kind of throws you off being on the road in a team that is just as good or better than you are, obviously, that, you know, they make the most of it. And I think it there was hype, and the hype really means nothing, but that's hype for every single, you know, team and sport. It's like, well, you see it on paper, so there it means nothing until you play, but there's always going to be, oh, we expect to be better, we expect to – have a good team and it's all doesn't even matter until you start playing. So, and that's what happened. I mean, you scored 29 points. I mean, some of it was garbage time, but you scored 16 of your 29 in the second quarter. It was just knowing when you got that close. And even when we had the 10, the 10 minutes, you know, offensive driver, we ended up scoring the, or ended up just kicking the field goal that our defense came right out with all that rest and did nothing and crap the bed. So, Tons of inconsistency in our defense. Yeah, there's no excuse for that because we got had nobody get hurt. And we were excited for the whole group in general. And the offense, you're right. I think if we had a full offensive line health and everyone we expected to play, I think we would have seen a lot of these deficiencies regardless. But when they're hurt and when they're coming out, but like Colin Smith should be able to go in there and be perfectly fine. So whether it's those guys don't expect to play or not, I don't know. But you definitely don't want your quarterback. That's when he needs to run a little bit more, and he's not a Lindsey Scott. He's not all these other guys that can run great, but Nick should be able to run a lot more as well. So terrible first game. And I think when you lose by 35, that that obviously signals, uh, you know, terrible things moving forward. And you're right. I mean, Nick said it today again. We, we're glad we had 11 great teams to play, and it's going to be a test every single time. So, I mean, clearly – you know, you can say first game this, first game that, and it was a terrible showing against a good team. I mean, so when you expect it, if you want to play these kinds of good teams, you got to play, play way better than that. And hopefully film and everything does do them good moving forward. You're right. Nick's always going to take the blame, and there's never never, never going to be any excuses. 
just obviously. And he, he was asked today, surprisingly, and it seems like those are the kind of questions we get in these kind of Monday pressures from people about, hey, you just want to throw it in the garbage and move on or burn it. It's like, no, you want to learn from it. And that's exactly what Nick said. So hopefully that is the case because we talked about our home deficiencies. And we'll talk about Simone General. You're right. I mean, they they covered what they were supposed to be really bad in their game this past week against Iowa State. We'll dive into that and then some more at the end of the week. But, you know, they played a little better. Iowa State's got some scared against FCS teams. We know you and I last year. So, I mean, but SEMA will be a lot better. You're right. 11 games of good teams we will be playing. So you touched on some of these quotes. And, you know, Nick mentioned how a lot of this game's built on momentum and that there wasn't a lot that went on in that first half that wasn't good. And he said, you don't have any other choice but to look yourself in the mirror and come back to work. We're going to have to put this game behind us after we look at the film and make those corrections, be honest with ourselves and about what we need to get better at. And you're right. Or he had said, I know this team has it in them. We have to come back and find a way to get back to one one and one. And you're right. I mean, I think if, if we would have lost this game by a field goal or a touchdown, I think I, I don't think we'd be saying the same thing. That's that's why it was such like a hit or miss opinion. It's like, well, okay, we're playing a good team on the road that if we lose, it's like, okay, first game doesn't define us. But it, you know, if we but when you lose by 35, I think that obviously you know, increases the worry a little bit. And there are things to worry about with this team, without a doubt. Hopefully people can get healthy moving on to this next to this next week. So a lot of terribles in this game. And Nick and Roe talked about the game, and Roe just signaled how it was kind of the excuses with none of the whatevers, and they just want to move on. So other than that, uh, we actually want to <laughs> quit talking about this game at this point. It's one of the worst games we can remember of hype-wise in terms of going into a game. Because national-wise, everybody – but he was talking about us getting blown out as the nine team, and that's not a good look. We'll get to some more rankings here along the way, Noah. So before we get into – and this won't be as long as what it has been, so let's dive into some things here to end it out. Uh, around the FCS, I mentioned a game there, Seymour's game a little bit. Dive into that and some other games around. And if there were some big games, uh, some upsets or some good matchups around the FCS this first week. Yeah, you mentioned the SEMO game. Um, they went on the road at Iowa State. Um, ended up losing forty-two to ten. I mean, they had some, they had some chances to uh, make that a closer game in the first half, but uh, obviously they lose that. Um, but other than that, I mean, looking around the valley, go over the valley scores. Uh, you were uh, starting on Thursday night uh, in overtime. Indiana State gets their first victory of the year over North Alabama, seventeen fourteen. Western Illinois goes on the road at UT Martin, loses 42-25. Uh, Missouri State watched some of this game on Thursday night. Uh, they went on the road and beat Central Arkansas 27-14. Um, then you watched this game. Um, we were talking a little bit back and forth during the day about it. Uh, South Dakota State goes on the road at Iowa, loses 7-3. to uh, You'd think that's a touchdown they scored. That's not. It was two safeties. Uh, after a field goal to get to seven. Uh, Tucker Kraft gets hurt in this game. Haven't seen the update on him, but uh, you can touch on that game since you watched it. Yeah. I, if I'm an Iowa fan, I'm pretty I'm pretty worried. Their quarterback play was awful. They ended up booing him out of the out of the stadium at times. South Dakota State had moments. I mean, uh, one of the Yonke brothers got loose deep, and he overthrew him. And uh, I don't think Isaiah Davis – I didn't look at the box score. He he had some moments that he 18 for 50 on the ground. And yeah, Granowski 10 for 26. 
he missed it. But other than that, they had plenty of chances to win. Yeah, I was, I was not, will not be a threat this year at all. They squeaked by in a baseball score of a game. Uh, South Dakota State definitely was able to play with them. South Dakota State's defense showed up a lot more than their offense at the start of that game. Though they were able to make it hard on them, so definitely a winnable game. And you're right, Kraft getting hurt. He was he was helped off, and he was on the bench getting like. I'd say stretched out, but I think he was just getting looked at. And you're right, we haven't heard anything on him. That is definitely notable moving forward and arguably the best offense outside of maybe North Dakota State and the FCS. So we'll, we'll be monitoring that because we know we played him this year. But, yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Iowa's not good. South Dakota State will be good. That should They should, arguably should have won that game. Yeah, then a game I didn't expect it to end this way. You and I goes on the road at Air Force. Air Force blows them out 48-17. Um, then Duquesne goes on the road at Youngstown. Youngstown wins 31-14. Uh, uh, I think Jaleel McLaughlin, their running back, uh, scored three times. And Rand had 20 carries for 203 yards. We know what he did to us <laughs> yeah. last year. So uh, he's an All-American Ooh. type running back. Then North Dakota goes on the road and gives Nebraska all they want. I think the Big Ten fans are uh, – some of the Big Ten fans are, are – uh, a little nervous how bad their teams are playing, but uh, the Huskers broke loose in the fourth quarter, won 38-17. It was 17-17 entering the fourth. Uh, then expected, Drake goes to North Dakota State. NDSU blows them out 56-14. Then uh, we did better than they did. Uh, South Dakota goes on the road to Kansas State. We actually gave them a game. They did not. 34-0 uh, Carson Camp. Uh was not very good in that game. Then, uh, then in the night, I watched a little bit of this game. Uh, Wisconsin blows out Illinois State 38 um, nothing. I think one of Wisconsin's running back had like a 98-yard touchdown at one point. So, uh, obviously, there's some FBS games, but other than North Dakota State, Youngstown, and Missouri State, uh, and Indiana State, a winless weekend for most of the Valley. Yeah, I know those are a lot of tough games. I mean, getting shut out in general, you're right. I'm I'm really glad. I mean, we, we talked about Kansas State. You know, they've been talked about, and they lost uh, Thompson, who I don't know if he made the Dolphins roster. He was playing pretty well in preseason. I'm sure he might be on their practice squad or something. But losing Skyler, and you bring back a lot of other uh, players as well. I mean, they they could be better this year, but, I mean, that just shows you. I mean, South Dakota – I mean, we talked about how they have a really hard schedule, but that's not the way you want to start is not scoring at all. And there are some other ones, like even around the whole FCS, yeah, Montana shut out a team. But other than that, yeah, a lot of these were expected Illinois State. I mean, Wisconsin's the best team I think any of us are going to play this year in the FCS. So uh, nothing to, I guess, be too worried about for them. But you're right, North Dakota game, I think that's something to to monitor. I think that they will – we know they killed us in the opener – uh, two seasons ago so I think they'll be and we they almost beat us last year so they will always be a tough team as well so you know an up and down week for the for the valley but South Dakota State if they would have went and beat Iowa that would have that would have been cherry on top but we know there's gonna be a lot of because a lot of these teams we played this year almost all of them we just said right there so that will be tough we'll keep an eye out every single week for these because week three when we play at Northwestern there's another some more games big games that teams have so, no, there's that. Dive into now. We did it last week. If you have the information on the uh, our 2023 commits and their second week of games. Yeah, starting with Caleb Wagner. Um, once again, it's hard to find stats on these players. So, 
uh, without a lot of newspapers want me to pay for subscriptions and I'm just not going to do that. So um, other than our St. Louis commits and Logan Minton, if anybody knows where to find stats, slide in our DMs and help us out. But Caleb Wagner and Baker, the Baker Gators, they have a home, they had a home game against Destin, um, shut them out 34 nothing. So after a tough week one loss, Caleb and the Baker Gators uh, bounce back. And speaking of Logan Minton, um, after a tough first week loss, Lafayette bounced back a 42 20 uh, victory for them. Um, so Logan ended up with, uh, I think three catches or two catches for 36 yards. So, um, a good victory for them. Then heading to, uh, Aiden Durig and, uh, Crown Point, Indiana. Um, they get a Vic, a, another big victory. So they moved the two and O then, uh, Blaine Halley and Olympia, they get another big victory. One fifty. One to twelve over Pittsfield, so they are now two and zero. Um, moving on to um, Carmelo Smith, um, they get another victory, so they are now two and zero on the season as well. Then uh, Miles Walsh, uh, first game of the year for him. Um, like I said, they played Manhattan. Um, a, 26-23 loss for Derby, Kansas in overtime, so tough first loss for them. Um, then our two guys down in Alabama at Prattville High School, um, they lose a tough one, 30-21 on the road at Smith Station, so they're 1-1 one and one on the season, so uh, big time. Amir Dwight, um, they get a, another victory over Lovejoy, 41-25, so uh, they are two and one on the season. They've already played three games down there in Georgia. So, um, some victories this week for our guys. Other than Miles Walsh getting a tough overtime loss, so good bounce back for some of our guys. Yeah, for sure. And again, we and kudos to you for finding a lot of this information. But uh, it will be nice to know a lot more stats for the defensive guys. We know it's you know it's harder. We're not going to see as much for them. But even like Logan Minton getting two catches, it seems like. You know, that, that's obviously fine and whatever game, you know, and whatever team he's on, it seems like maybe he should be getting a couple more uh, just for the player that he is. Obviously, if he's coming to us, I don't know what his, you know, if his teammates are going places as well. I feel like that should be more of a high-powered offense if maybe he's on it. But like I said, kudos to you for finding that information. That will continue every week. Um, so then now, no to kind of segue this thing out of here, we wanted to talk about some of the new polls and I don't think the coaches poll, you know, there's not like a new one out for like the whole FCS, you know, the stats perform has one we'll talk about in a second, but some new updates around for where they have guys ranked. Now the triumvirate poll of the FCS has us ranked at 11. So we only moved back a couple spots. UIW moved up to eight and there's some other ones, you know, not really that notable UT Martin. We know wasn't ranked now is a 23rd for them and a couple others. So we're there on that. I think FCS Nation Radio, I was trying to search it. Do you do you have theirs on? I think it's FCS Nation Radio, right? That had one. I thought I liked it on our – here it is. Okay. Found it on their Twitter. Let me read it here. They had us at 17. So they moved us back eight spots, CUIW up to 11, and a couple others. And then, Noah, the biggest one, the most important one of all, though, is, is the stats perform one. And they had us at uh, 17 as well. 
had a couple. Jackson State up to 13. We know they had a huge week. Deion's kid at quarterback was great. Uh, and then a couple others. Anything else stick out to you? UIW moved up. They said they – or they moved up, yeah, from – I thought it was something else that said that they had a huge jump. I mean, everything else, the top five stayed the same for the most part or top however much, just us moving and UIW almost moving to our spot. Anything that sticks out to you? Because seeing us at 17, we 11 on the triumvirate, but 17 definitely moving back that far is how we played and well-deserved to be down that far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're lucky to probably maybe still be in ranked at all after that kind of performance. Uh, Delaware, after a solid week this week, they moved up from 19 to 10. Um, then another one. William & Mary got an FBS win over Charlotte, 41-24 this week. So um, they are now ranked at 20, so they're right behind us. Um, I've seen uh, Northern Iowa slides down at 24. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's deserved that we moved down where we did. So um, hopefully we can bounce back with a big victory this week against SEMO and uh, move back maybe into the 13-12 – 12, 13, 14 range. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, SEMO, we know, you know, I'm not sure what their whole schedule is off the top of my head. We know I was playing Iowa State, but talk about how they are going to be a good team and, you know, what they're projected this year. I don't remember seeing anything with the OVC preseason at all. And I'm sure they were outside of UT Martin, I'm sure. But SEMO, I think it's probably going to compete. So we're looking forward to talking about them. The only sneak peek we'll have, because we will talk about them at the end of the week, $10 tickets, though, if you use promo code DOGS on the website, a big account, post it about it. You guys can get tickets that way. It is rivalry week. We've won the last couple of uh, wheels. We know they beat us in 2019, but we've had it the last couple of years now. Uh, so, Noah, like we said, this is a game that you don't – you want to watch just moving forward. The team's not going to do that. Even though it's like I said, it's a you know it was a good opponent this week and one we expected that was going to be good and we crapped the bed we really did and we're hoping to flip the script and move on because yeah ten more ten more quality games you know against good opponents this year so what are your final thoughts? Yeah, obviously it's time to uh, obviously the leaders of this football team not only not the coaches but the leaders of this guy of the football team. The guys like Avante Cox and uh, those guys, Keegan Agnew on that defense and other guys that have been here in this program for a long time to step up and uh, go back to work this week because obviously we talked about it. We got a rivalry game this Saturday. Um, so let's pack Let's pack that stadium. $10 tickets obviously um, is a steal if you use that promo code now because Simo's uh, uh, coming to town. We got a big game. Just a sneak peek them right now. Um, you mentioned it just a second ago. They were picked second in the OVC preseason poll. Got three first-place votes behind UT Martin. Um, Gino Hess, I, I, he's the senior running back. He's been there forever, it feels like. Uh, preseason Offensive Player of the Year in the OVC. Um, they got a new quarterback this year in Paxton Dularent, uh, a transfer in from Central Methodist where he started two years at Central Methodist. So uh, they looked pretty decent against a Big 12 opponent. They had some opportunities, really got behind, so Geno Hess couldn't get going. But um, we'll be able to make it. We love the 6 o'clock start. makes us easier. It's on a Saturday to get there, um, not a noon game or a 2 o'clock game. But excited for the opportunity to bounce back. Everybody should be. So um, ready to see what we're made of after, see what kind of, 
obviously Saturday night we didn't, wasn't able to uh, go compete through that adversity. Hopefully we use it now to bounce back even stronger this week. You're right. He did mention the leadership council, and you mentioned some of those names, Avante, said Jacob Garrett, and Keenan, I guess the three biggest leaders on the team. Just being a leader, I remember seeing Xavier on the sidelines as well that was coaching up and had the headset on and stuff, so that was great. Uh, so, yeah, whatever – if this team has what it takes because, you know, to bounce back off something like that because the players were tweeting. You mentioned P.J. of the broken heart, whether that was about that or not, but Clayton and uh, George Douglas were tweeting. All of these players were tweeting that it's, you know, it's – you know, 0-1, but we're ready to bounce back. So hoping that all of them can live up to that and perform better at home to kick off for these fans for the season to get back on track before that huge week three game that can obviously swing you and, you know, catastrophic or for lack of a better word, uh, universally great, uh, you know, full speed ahead towards the end of the season. I was like in a – couldn't really figure out the right words to use there, but hopefully that can happen. And you need to beat a team like SEMO who will be quality pick second, as you said, we'll dive into them on Friday, our typical Friday now pre-shows for the Saturday ahead. So again, terrible game this week. It, it sucked to uh, talk about it, but we did for you guys. And obviously hopefully we don't have any more like this the rest of the year, but you never know. It is football. Anything can happen. So for Nick Malone, no alerts until Friday, as always, go dogs.